Welcome back to another episode of Emotionally Online with your host, the one and only Maddie motherfucking Drossback, baby. I feel like I need to start saying my last name in more of my YouTube videos. I feel like I never introduce myself with my full name online and I really should start doing it because nobody knows how to pronounce my last name and I really wish people did because it's really not that hard, but it looks overwhelming. But I would appreciate it if people pronounced my name correctly because nobody does. Uh, it's Drawspeck for reference. Drawspeck. Drawsbeck. It's really easy. Drawspeck. The G is silent. Like Avril Lavigne. Okay? So now you know and now we can all learn. <laughs> um Life update, I guess. Top of the show. Let's kick this off. Clearly, I had a very emotional week last week. Uh, Was going through it. Was having a time. And where I'm at now is definitely a much better place, which I kind of anticipated that it would be like that. Um, I, I really haven't... I haven't cried since the day I filmed the podcast, Um, I feel like I had my day of feeling like very weepy and sad and I spent the next few days after that having like a pit in my stomach and just feeling like something was off or something was wrong Um, and then I think I spent a few days after that being like very sensitive uh, to like any type of <laughs> mean comment on the internet as it pertains to my dating life. Um, and then now I, I feel kind of fine. I, I've went through the entire cycle of feeling what I needed to feel. Um, and I feel okay. I feel really good. And I actually wanted to thank you guys for how understood you made me feel last week. I think I often feel so grateful for our little corner of the internet um, and how truly kind and lovely the people who have ended up here uh, alongside me have been. I'm like, you know, I've experienced the worst of the internet the same way anybody else that posts has. People are really awful out there. But, I mean, take a scroll through my comment sections. They really are like very peaceful, very kind, understanding places. And I think I just especially felt understood and held last week by you guys. It felt really good to, you know, have a bad day where I had planned to do a totally different podcast episode and it just didn't happen. It didn't work out that way. I was feeling really sad and really emotional and I just, yeah, I, I, I didn't know that I was going to talk about rejection in the last episode. It just happened. And um, I just appreciated that in this moment where I was feeling very emotional and vulnerable and, um, you know, had just sort of shared a ton of pretty personal stuff on the Internet, uh, which clearly I don't have a problem with. I do that all the time. But sometimes when I do share more like intimate things about myself, there is a moment afterwards where I start to panic about what 
people think of me or if people are going to misunderstand me because feeling misunderstood in those moments of extreme vulnerability like really sucks and can make you feel worse like being vulnerable is an amazing thing and I love sharing my life on the internet and being personal because I mean there's a lot of reasons why I enjoy doing that and why it feels good for me to do that um but it is sort of a double-edged sword sometimes where when it's good it's really good and sharing can make you feel so held and understood and uh safe but also sometimes sharing can make you feel misunderstood and can make you feel worse and that goes both for on and offline though when you're sharing it online with people who don't know you personally I think there's more room to be misunderstood than would be typical if you were just sharing with your friends um, and people that know you in real life and have for a significant period of time anyways saying all this because after I shared last week obviously I was reading through all of the comments and it felt so good to be so understood and to have you guys really hold space for me and like just let me sort of show up as I am in the moment uh, and yeah just feeling like I didn't need to be or show up as anyone or anything other than how I was feeling that day um, and yeah, I had so many of you DM me and share similar stories or say that you had also experienced some sort of rejection last week. And it feels so good to have people to talk to about this stuff that like get it and that relate to the feeling. Um, cause yeah, rejection is a lonely feeling. It feels so isolating when you're in it. Um, so it was really nice to just hear from all of you guys and get to sort of share in that experience. And it definitely helped make it so that the rest of the week I was able to sort of push through and uh, pick myself back up, recover a little bit. It was definitely a challenging week for sure. But I, I even found myself throughout the week just reflecting on how, yeah, this kind of feels like shit right now. And like I have this pit in the bottom of my stomach and something feels wrong right now. But... I know that what I'm feeling right now is what I usually feel before intense periods of growth or before I realize I went through an intense period of growth rather. Um, like, yeah, it's painful, but I would so much rather go through all of these experiences and be able to learn and grow from them um, than not go through them at all. Some days I do wish that I could just have it all, you know? I wish that I would never be sad again, that I would never be disappointed again, that I would never be rejected, that I could just have everything and that it would all be easy. Some days I do want that. But then other days I'm like, but how wonderful is it to get to be compassionate with yourself and show up for yourself and work on that with yourself? So I think I've gotten pretty good at being compassionate with myself and allowing myself to show up exactly as I am. But these are things that I think all of us will kind of work on forever. Um, yeah, I, I don't believe that there's like an end to healing or that someday we reach a moment where our brains are totally 
fully developed and well-rounded and we never have to reflect at all. It's just an ongoing process. And I, in, in some way it feels very relieving and freeing to be able to sit with yourself and sit with the emotions that you're feeling as heavy as they may be and feel comfortable feeling those emotions because you know that you will take care of yourself and that you will learn and grow so much, not only from the situation at hand, but from being able to practice being compassionate with yourself and slowing down and, and not, you know, feeling guilty or shame because of the things that you feel. I think it's just a nice thing to practice. I don't know. I remember like a few years ago, thinking about the people in my life that have been so nurturing and caring and have made me feel so understood and how deeply I loved those people. I think I always described it as like the camp counselor effect because it felt like every camp I ever went to, there was always one camp counselor that I just felt like I could trust. Like they just had an energy about them that was safe and kind and welcoming. Um, and they, would listen well and they would work to understand you and they were very compassionate and gentle even if maybe they didn't fully understand you or they disagreed with you it was just like a kind of kindness that I always felt with camp counselors or like dance teachers mentors of mine growing up I guess and I always looked at those people and thought like wow I want to be like them someday um And when I say I want to be like them someday, the part that I wanted to be like was I wanted to be a safe person for other people in the way that that person was safe for me. And not only for other people, but I wanted to be a safe person for myself. I wanted to be able to show up with softness and compassion and understanding for myself in moments where I would have wanted to turn to those people that have made me feel that way. I wanted to be that for myself. I wanted to be that kind of person who just like shows up with an open heart um, and is kind and understanding of people in the way that they feel and doesn't, doesn't ask people to show up as anything besides themselves. And I think it's very easy to practice those things within friends and people you love. What I think is harder is practicing that within yourself and how you treat yourself and how you show up for yourself. Sometimes it's harder to be so kind and gentle with ourselves. It's easier to be mean to ourselves. And, um, yeah, I just think I've benefited a lot from being given opportunities to show up and be compassionate to myself. So even when I have felt these really intense, sad, uh, like just like the world is ending type emotions. Like it's all caving in on me. It feels so awful and sad. Um, I kind of see that now as an opportunity to step up for me and to be compassionate and soft and delicate and really take care of myself. And that ritual of taking care of myself when I feel those type of feelings just feels like it's more beneficial than wishing for a life where I never have to feel bad feelings at all. I think I also am just the type of person where I, I don't know, I don't really see emotions as black and white, good or bad. Like, I think this is, it connects to why I think some people 
will always misunderstand people like me because if you are someone who sees emotions as black and white, I think you will always misunderstand people who don't see emotions as black and white. Like, I've noticed this on Love Island (laughs) this season. We'll talk more about it later, but I think... Um, it's interesting in television being able to watch other people perceive emotions as black and white and without nuance and being like, damn, you're not seeing that person. Like you're missing them. You're not understanding it. Um, and I I think it like comes down to the fact that a lot of people are uncomfortable feeling their feelings, feeling their emotions, um, and I, I feel sad for those people not only because they are having trouble accepting the way that they feel and allowing themselves to feel however they feel, uh, but also because that to me signifies that they did not grow up in a space where that was encouraged or um, taught, nurtured in any way. It makes me feel like it's like, oh, this is sad because you never got the chance to know what it feels like to be sort of at peace with how you feel and not have to suppress it and hide it. Cause I think like, you know, I've, I show my emotions on the internet all the time. I I've cried many times on the internet and I'm rarely ever in crisis. You know, like I, I am a really happy person. I have a really great life. I cry a lot and my tears don't often come from a place of like complete and utter depression you know, like my, I'll, I'll cry because I'm overwhelmed. I'll cry because I'm happy. I'll cry because I got rejected. I'll cry because I, you know, got triggered by something. I'll cry because I'm frustrated. Like there's so many reasons why I might cry and have like an outward showcase of emotion. There's like a range of feelings that could trigger that for me because I, I do feel comfortable feeling them and letting myself feel them. I don't push anything down. I let it come up and I feel comfortable letting it come up. But I think sometimes people might look at someone like me who doesn't see emotion as black and white, people who see it as black and white, they might see me crying because I'm overwhelmed. Like when I talk about hate comments and people see me tearing up about hate comments and it's not that I'm deeply offended by people on the internet that are like fat, idiot, loser, kill yourself. Like it's not that I'm deeply impacted by those words. It's that I'm frustrated and I'm angry that anyone's writing them and I might cry because I'm so frustrated and I'm angry and people who see emotions as very black and white might look at me crying and say, yeah, she's so depressed. She really does hate herself. And she believes those comments when that's not true. Um, And obviously there are layers to this and layers to how like the, I don't know, suppression of feelings and how normalized that has become in our world has spread. We could talk about this for hours, actually. There's so much here. (laughs) But I think sometimes the reason why some people might misunderstand me or why some people don't like me is not necessarily because of anything that I am doing or saying, at least not in like what I'm specifically doing or saying, but more because I make them uncomfortable. My vulnerability and compassion towards myself sometimes shocks people and can make them feel uncomfortable because they don't feel comfortable doing the same with themselves, with their own emotions. And I think some projection 
happens there where it gets turned around on me and I become like, oh, you're overly emotional. You're too sensitive. When really it has nothing to do with me. It's because that person doesn't feel comfortable feeling their emotions in the way that I do. And I, the fact that they have to watch me feel it like that, observing me might make them uncomfortable because they can't even begin to process how they feel and the way they are watching me process what I feel. And let me just say, I wasn't always like this. I don't think I was always so comfortable with everything I feel the way that I am now. Like I feel very casually about it all now. I don't feel like put off by any emotions. Obviously like challenging emotions are challenging emotions. I'm not going to be like, yeah, having a bad day. Fucking love it. But I'm also not going to be like really feeling a lot of shame and guilt for having a bad day or really worrying about myself if I'm having a bad day. Like I th- I'm pretty sure I've said this before where I'm like, I'm not worried about myself. I I know that I will feel what I need to feel and I'll get through it and I'll be fine. But I think some people see feeling your feelings and crying as like a sign that something is majorly wrong or they start to worry about themselves if they allow themselves to feel so much, you know? I think to some level it is just like a trust in yourself and a trust that you will take care of yourself and that you will be good Um, and knowing that like feeling what you have to feel is part of that process. And I feel like I've gotten more accepting of my emotions and delicate with myself as I've grown up. I've talked about this before in some of my dating videos and vlogs in general about this idea of being too much and how I grew to fear that I was too much for people, that I had emotions that were too big, that I took up too much space, that I was just an overwhelming person, um, and why that's untrue and why I've been working to sort of abandon this idea that I am too much, that I grew to believe about myself throughout my childhood. And I've been reflecting a lot on like where it came from. Like where was it? When was it that I started to believe that my feelings made me too much and that I was too emotional and too sensitive? Like what what in my childhood made me feel that way about myself? And I think it's a lot of things, <laughs> um, as it so often is. But something I reflected on a lot was my introduction to dating and sex was incredibly mm, emotionless, was like very cold and unpacking how that has impacted me has been a a long process because it's impacted me in a lot of different ways but like I have these memories of experiencing sex and dating for the first time uh, and obviously catching feelings because sex is one of the most intimate things you can do with another person. (laughs) So it's not surprising that you would catch feelings for someone that you are spending a lot of time with and having sex with. Um, And how each time 
that I started to like someone or caught feelings for someone, I was reacted to like I was a massive burden for that. Um, I was sort of made to feel like I ruined things. Like I was acting irrationally. Like uh, it was inappropriate for me to have caught feelings for someone that I was having sex with. Like how could I have ever thought that he would have wanted me like that? I, I ruined it. I made it so much more difficult and complicated. Like I'm too emotional. I'm too sensitive. I, I cared too much and that's a bad thing. Like I, I think that I really like started to feel guilty for caring about people in college and like, this is what I mean when I can go on like a full 80 page essay rant about hookup culture and how it like digs holes inside our brains. But like, it is not normal to make people feel bad for giving a shit about you. It is not normal to like have a friends with benefits situation. And if the other person catches feelings, get angry at them and make them feel like they're a burden or that they ruined something because they have grown to care about you. Um, I don't know when it became fucking expected and normal to treat each other so coldly and without emotion and without care. I don't know when it became like so fucking cool to not have feelings, but I feel like especially the last year of my life has been me looking back at everything, all of these moments where I perceived myself to be a burden, to have ruined something, all of the moments that built up to me feeling like I was too much, that my feelings were too big, and that I was a burden to people around me because I felt those things, because I cared. A lot of the last year has been looking back on those moments and realizing that I was never in the wrong, that I was never in the wrong for giving a shit, for caring about someone who I've been incredibly intimate with. And the fact that anyone made me feel guilty for being kind and for loving, that makes me mad now. It makes me angry because I don't think that people deserve that. Obviously, like, like in my eyes, if you're in like a casual relationship dynamic with someone and one of you starts to catch feelings, Like, that's worth having a conversation about. That conversation should never end in one person making the other person feel like a burden for feeling what they feel. You, there should never be one person, like, rolling their eyes and grunting and being like, oh, God, this is so fucking annoying. So annoying. It's such an inconvenience that you like me. Like, that's such an awful thing to say to someone and to make someone feel, and being at a place in my life now where I'm able to look back on those moments and be like, damn, I was never in the wrong for that. Nobody should have spoken to me like that. Yeah, it's been a huge part of unpacking this idea of too much and how that plays a role in my life now and how I see myself. And I think the the more time that I have spent unpacking that and ripping it apart and throwing it out and being like it is such a beautiful wonderful thing to care about people 
and we should all care about each other regardless if we are looking for something casual or something serious um i think it's ridiculous that hookup culture has so aggressively drilled into people's brains that it is in any way acceptable to treat people like they are just like disposable bodies um it's unreal like you should still care about the people that you are having casual sex with and it's like really scary to me that it has become so normalized to not care about each other and to be cold like scroll through tiktok and listen to half the dating advice that exists on those platforms it like they encourage people to suppress your emotions to pretend you don't care because it'll make them like you more like does that not seem completely fucked to anyone else it just seems unreal that that's what we're teaching people and that's what we're teaching ourselves that we're making ourselves feel like burdens and like we're too much for caring about each other that's insane is it not (laughs) and so I feel like I've just done a lot of work to unpack that and to reckon with my past experiences and look back at all of it and be like it is a beautiful thing to be a lover it is a beautiful fucking thing to be a lover and you did what you could in each of those situations you showed up you communicated and if somebody else is going to get mad at you for thinking they're fucking cool then fuck them (laughs) you know you don't have to like me back but you don't have to be a fucking dick and I think obviously this is extremely present in young boys because young boys are constantly encouraged to suppress their emotions, that caring is uh, a bad thing. You're a simp. Like there's negative connotations around loving and caring and being gentle with people, which is fucked. Um, but that's why you see like in these casual dynamics, like if one person catches feelings if the woman in the dynamic catches feelings, I'm talking about myself. (laughs) If I catch feelings (laughs) and I go to this guy that I, you know, fucking idiots that I used to go out with in college. And I say like, listen, I'm starting to like you. I like being around you. I like having sex with you. I think I have a little crush. And his reaction to me is to like, talk to me like I'm a burden. Like I've ruined everything. How could I have done this? Oh my God. Hanging up the phone on me. Acting like I'm totally out of line for having feelings like that comes from people's inability to feel their own emotions you feel uncomfortable with my emotions because you can't even feel your own you can't even hold enough space for how you feel so how can you possibly hold space for what I feel Oy. and like this has shown up in a lot of other ways in my life especially now being more of a public figure and sharing my personal life on the internet I deal with people reacting to me all the time reacting to my emotions all the time like you know for example if I'm crying somebody might make an assumption about my happiness at large rather than just seeing it for what it is which is like I feel comfortable letting myself feel my emotions. I'm not, I don't feel guilty or ashamed of crying and being sad. I'm comfortable feeling what I need to feel. And that's the truth. But some people will look at me and be like, oh, she's crying. I'm going to assume that she is really upset and she hates herself and she has the worst light of her and she's lying to all of us. She's lying when she says that she's happy. She's not actually happy. (laughs) 
You know, like people start to project onto you and draw assumptions because they are, they can't even fathom. They cannot relate to this universe of like, our feelings aren't black and white. There's nuance here. And like, we don't have to feel ashamed or guilty of our emotions and it's okay to feel them. It's okay to care. I think in a different vein, this happens a lot in terms of my body image and how people perceive me online, how they perceive my body and my relationship with my body online. Um, I'm, you know, I've been very open about my relationship with my body for the entire time that I've been on the internet. I started talking about body image online in like 2012, 2013. So it's been a long time of me talking about my journey with my body. And it's funny because I'll share both good and bad days. You know, I'm not someone that needs to pretend like everything is perfect all the time. Um, and I'll share, you know, this is something challenging that happened or I'll make a joke. Even like in my Paris vlog where I was joking about going to the spa as a fat person or shopping as a fat person and not there not being anything in the windows. And like when I'm talking about those things, I'm, I'll be honest, you know, like I'll be real and be like, yeah, I all, it could have sent me on a spiral. Like I could have had a really bad day because of that. It could have made me really upset, but you know, I'll usually throw in some humor and I'll laugh about it because I'm, I'm in a good place with my body now, but I still have bad days. But sometimes people will see me having a bad day or having a bad moment and they'll react to me by being like, See, she does hate herself. You don't have to pretend. We know that you're lying. Like, you do hate yourself. And the only way that you will ever like yourself is if you lose weight because you have such a pretty face. And you're wasting your life away by being so fat and trying to convince yourself you like yourself. Because you're fat, you can't possibly like yourself. (laughs) People, like, project, project, project. And it's always so crazy to me because I'm like, do you really believe that there exists a world where people like themselves 100% of the time where you have no bad days. Does that not make you feel worse to like force yourself to be held to such a standard like that? Like don't, don't you feel like you would feel better if you just allowed yourself to live in the, in the middle of black and white? Like why does it need to be either like you love yourself or you hate yourself? Like why can't it be that I love myself But my relationship with my body is complicated and it's nuanced and I have good days and bad days and that's a a product of my childhood, how I was raised, the culture and, uh, you know, what society says about people with my body and, you know, how life is objectively different for me than people in other bodies. Like, you're allowed to have emotional reactions to those things without it being like, she hates herself. She's only going to ever like herself if she loses weight. Like I, I don't it, like it's, it gets taken into a much more dramatic and like catastrophized sense than it has to be. You know, it's a massive leap. It's a huge jump, but there are people that refuse to see nuance there. They want to see you as a hundred percent one way or a hundred percent the other way. And the same goes with dating and experiencing the highs and lows of being in the process of dating and meeting people, which is totally normal. And anybody who dates knows this. Like it is, it is unreasonable to expect yourself 
to be 100% all the time. And it is like, quite honestly, like, don't, don't you think we would all feel better if we just took the pressure off ourselves and you were allowed to have bad days and to cry and to have moments where you felt like just overwhelmed by everything? Don't you think we would all feel so much better if you felt like you were allowed to have those moments without people criticizing you or judging you and being like, oh, she's miserable. She hates her life. Like, can I not just like have a good little cry? What What is wrong with you guys? <laughs> And in the realm of my dating life, where it pops up is like, you know, I'll talk about my dating experiences. I'll, I'll share something that was difficult or something that felt challenging, something that triggered me. And people will respond to me by being like, well, you've got to love yourself before you love somebody else. And I'm like, first of all, enough of that. <laughs> I just don't. What is happening? Because I'm like, for starters, I do love myself. It's just that you are not comfortable seeing me as like a multidimensional person who can love myself and also struggle with things at the same time (laughs) you aren't allowing my emotions and feelings to exist with nuance and that's why you see me like that also I just find that whole thing of like you need to love yourself before you love somebody else to sort of be like a load of horse shit and I I don't like I don't like the message of it I don't like the message that that sends of like people who struggle with self-esteem can't love people in a way that is potent enough. I don't like that. I don't like the message that that sends. Also, I don't think that we all need to be completely healed, completely fully formed versions of ourselves in order to love other people. I don't think that's realistic. I think that's like we're selling ourselves short when we don't allow ourselves to live in the nuance of our feelings and our emotions. Do you know what I mean? There will never come a day where all of a sudden I never cry again. There's just one day where I'm like, well, I'm 100% good. My life is 100% optimized, brain complete. I'll never cry again. Like that just doesn't exist. And I'm surprised that like full-blown adults will act like that's a reality that any of us can achieve. I believed that when I was like 14. I remember like New Year's Day when I was fucking in like eighth grade. My New Year's resolution was to stop crying because I was like, you are so miserable. All you do is cry and feel sad all the time. Like my New Year's resolution is to never cry ever again. And I think I made it two weeks. And then when I cried, I remember feeling so disappointed with myself. Like like me allowing myself to cry was some indication that my life was in complete ruin and that I had no control over myself, that it was just all beyond me. And I think about that now and I'm like, can we like imagine how comforted my 14 year old eighth grade self would have felt if I felt like my feelings were okay to feel. I wanted to push them all away and be like, I'm never crying ever again. Because to me, crying was like a signifier that I was failing. That I like wasn't good enough. That I wasn't like doing life (laughs) in the way that other people were. When feeling your emotions and crying is a part of life. It means you're doing great. Feeling your feelings is so important. And when we see our feelings as black and white, it's just not productive and it's it's not helpful to practicing being compassionate with ourselves and seeing ourselves as like complicated nuanced individuals 
I think the other thing that this connects to that I've been thinking about a lot, we're talking about a lot of stuff in this episode. There's so much more that we could talk about too. Like I'm just scratching the surface right now, but something else that this makes me think about is how being fat influences the way that people speak to me about my dating life. The amount of people that get mad at me for having standards is kind of impressive. (laughs) The fact that anybody would get mad at me while talking about my standards in dating is like kind of unreal. Because to me, it's like, yeah, we should be encouraging young people to reflect on what they want and need in partnerships and to set standards for themselves. We should be encouraging young people to spend time with themselves thinking and reflecting so that they can find the right partnerships for them instead of dating all the wrong people and then feeling like fucking shit about it. Like there's something wrong with them when really there's nothing wrong with them. (laughs) And before anybody who might be in this genre of people who leaves these comments uh, that might be watching this says something. When I talk about my standards in relationships, I'm not talking about anything shallow or about the things that I am typically attracted to in people. I don't have a physical type. If you lined up everyone that I've ever been interested in, they all look completely different. When I am talking about my standards in dating, I am only talking about non-negotiables. I am talking about only dating people who are communicative, consistent, that are vulnerable, people that are at a similar place in their life as I am, that are at a similar level of emotional awareness and intelligence. When I say my standards, I'm not referring to things that I like. Fucking, I like bald guys. That's not a standard of mine. You know what I mean? Like what I'm talking about is saying, I expect the people that I date to be at a similar level of emotional intelligence as I am. I expect them to be committed to working on their communication and to have already undergone a good amount of work in that department of life so that when conflict comes up between us, we're sitting at a similar level and we can handle that together. I have no interest in dating someone that has no idea how to handle their emotions or to handle conflict to the point where when there is conflict, I'm being yelled at. No fucking way. That's what I mean when I say that is a standard of mine. I am an adult. I've done a lot of growth. I've done a lot of healing, internal work. I'm in therapy. I expect to be with someone else that is on my level in that way so that when things come up, when conflict comes up, we can handle that together and we're at a similar place and we can see each other and understand each other. I have no interest in dating people that are not like that. That is what I mean when I'm talking about my standards. It's nothing fucking crazy. It's literally just being like, it's non-negotiables. It's stuff that this is what I need. This is what I look for. These are things that I won't budge on. And I won't budge on these things because I know what I bring to the table. I know what I have to offer. And I expect the same in return from other people. I want someone that is in a similar stage of life that I am, that is communicative, consistent, kind, that has worked on themselves, that is good with reflection, that goes to therapy, has a full and complete life on their own that they are dedicated to building so that we can be together and work and build something together that actually works. If you don't have that, if you can't do that, then you are not equipped to date me. That is my boundary. That is my line. 
those are my standards. This is what I expect. This is what I need from my partner. And if you don't have those things, you cannot date me. I'm not lowering that standard to then be like, yeah, word, cool. I'm going to date someone that when they're angry, they sit here and scream at me. I am not dealing with that. I am not putting up with that. I am never lowering that goddamn standard. And that makes people mad. So let's talk about why that makes people mad. I promise this will come full circle. It'll all make sense. It's not because I'm saying anything totally outlandish out of the ordinary. What I just described is me describing what it would take to be in a healthy, non-abusive relationship with somebody. What it would take to handle conflict in a relationship where you both care about each other. And regardless, it's not your life. It's mine. So why does hearing me say, these are my standards, anything less than this, I will not accept. Why does that make you mad? Why do you care what my standards are? Why are you mad that some bitch on the internet is like, yes, I expect people I did to communicate with me. Why is your reaction to that to be like, you should lower your standards. You're asking for too much. Like, you know, sometimes you have to work on those things with people. And I'm like, word, sometimes you do. I'm not going to be the one though. You can have fun with that. <laughs> like, what do you want me to say? I expect people to show up on the same level that I am. And if what I'm saying makes you uncomfortable, it says more about you than it does about me. My working theory on this is that the reason why people get mad at fat women for having high standards is because you perceive me as being less than you. However, I am asking for more than you do. And that makes you uncomfortable. You see me as being worth less, as being lower on the totem pole because I am a fat woman, yet here I am demanding more than maybe you have in your life. And so you get angry because why else are you getting angry? People who are comfortable with themselves and are comfortable with the standards that they have set for themselves don't feel that way about other people's standards. If you are comfortable with yourself and with the standards that you have set for yourself, you do not react like that to other people who set their own standards. So to me, the only thing that makes sense as a reason for why any of these people give a fuck that I'm saying, I demand X, Y, Z in relationships is because you perceive me as less. And the fact that you perceive me as less and I am asking for more makes you feel uncomfortable because it forces you to confront a part of yourself. It forces you to reflect and say, am I comfortable with the standards that I have set for myself? Have I accepted too little in relationships? Am I happy in my current relationship? Because I deal with that my boyfriend doesn't know how to handle conflict and screams and yells and bitches at me when we get into a fight. And here's this girl, this fat fucking ugly loser who I perceive as less than me saying that she wouldn't accept that, but she's less than me. So she has to accept that. You perceive me as less. So when you see me asking for more, it makes you uncomfortable. And instead of doing any type of self-reflection, you feel like you have to bring me back down and say, you're asking for too much, you're too emotional, you're too sensitive, you are too much, you ask for too much, lower your standards. At the end of the day, what I am comfortable with and what you are comfortable with do not have to be the same thing. But if you are getting triggered by what I am saying, if you are getting triggered by me setting standards for myself, your reaction for that should not be to attack me. It should be to look inwards. At the end of the day, 
We are responsible for our own triggers. So instead of looking at me and saying, you're asking for too much, your standards are too high, reflect on why you think that. And please, to anyone listening to this, do not, for any fucking reason, lower your standards, okay? Do not take TikTok dating advice about being a hardo and pretending you don't give a shit about people in order to get them to like you, suppressing your emotions to attract men that ultimately just don't fucking want you, know what you deserve, demand what you deserve, and be happy being single until you find someone that checks those motherfucking boxes. That's all there is to say. (laughs) But also, even, you know, with all of what I just said, I still feel compassion for those people who look at me and get mad at me and tell me that I should lower my standards because I'm fat and I should be happy that anyone even looks at me in this lifetime, never mind loves me. (laughs) Like, I still feel compassion for those people because it makes me feel so sad that that is what reality looks like inside their brain. That they think that love is so conditional that you would have to look one certain way, change your body completely in order to be truly cared for by another person. That makes me sad that they think that. It says more about them than it ever will about me. Uh, It makes me sad because I'm such a hopeless romantic and part of why I am such a hopeless romantic and I have high standards for myself is because I know true love exists because I grew up around it. I grew up with parents that loved each other and respected each other. I grew up with a phenomenal father figure. I constantly say that my dad is the best guy I've ever known in my entire life. He's the reason why I have high standards because I watched my dad my whole life be soft and gentle with my mother, be accepting of her emotions, be so caring and like unafraid of showing his own emotions. I saw my dad cry more than I saw my mom cry growing up. (laughs) I got to observe their relationship growing up. I got to observe the kind of softness and gentleness that my dad specifically approached my mother with. And so if that is what I grew up looking up to and being able to see with my own two eyes, how in the fucking world would I ever accept less than that? How could I ever live in a world where I would accept a relationship that looked less than what my own parents did? I've seen it. I've seen what love can look like. So don't tell me that it can't exist for me because I know that it fucking does. And ultimately, it all loops back to this. People will project to avoid feeling their own emotions. That is why I said this whole story because you don't genuinely care that I have high standards. Why the fuck would you care? Who I will or won't date doesn't impact you whatsoever. You and I are not dating. It is none of your fucking business what my standards are, to be totally honest. I just talk a lot on the internet so you get to know them. But if I was not a figure on the internet, you would never know this about me. And you would never have any reason to have any type of opinion on what my standards are anyways. There's no reason for you to give a fuck that I'm saying I want XYZ in a relationship. You are projecting. How people feel about you, what they say about you, what they assume about you will always say more about them than it will about you. And this is something that I've been trying to grill inside my head because sometimes I do read those weird fucking comments that are like, 
you know, just insistent that I ask for too much because I'm fat and I, I should just like lose weight if I'm going to ask for what I ask. For. If I, if I want people to respect me, I should just lose weight. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It is a ridiculous idea. It's like just, yeah, fucking it's un. <laughs> so anyways, all of that to say, I think that the problem with people being afraid to feel their feelings and seeing our emotions as being very black and white. I think it negatively impacts all of us. And I think we are all positively impacted by allowing people to show up where they're at and to just feel the way they feel. That feels like a very core belief of mine. And, and I mean, that's, a huge part of why I share so much on the internet and why it feels so good for me because sharing and being open with my emotions and how I feel seems to take the power away from the idea that having a bad day means you're having a bad life. I think that being open and vulnerable and showing compassion publicly to those emotions just makes me feel good because it it seems to just like normalize them to me and then having a space like this podcast or my YouTube channel where the comment section is just hundreds of people sharing their own stories and their own experiences like that feels so amazing to have that connection with other people and to have that space where we are able to just be open with how we feel and that we don't have to suppress it and hide it and pretend like we're fucking good all the time because what's the point in that there's no reason for that there's nothing wrong with the way that you feel so Yeah, that's my thought of the week, my rant of the week, I guess. (laughs) Um, All of that to say, I feel really grateful for the community that has been created over in our little corner of the internet. And I am so grateful for those of you that do trust me um, and the community that I've built enough to share your own experiences in the comments. I I do read almost all of the comments on the content that I post online. So if you've ever shared in my comment section, odds are I have read it. And I am just like so very grateful um, that you guys feel comfortable enough to share those things and to share in this vulnerability with me. Um, It feels really good. It makes me feel understood. And I hope that this content makes you guys feel understood as well. Yeah, and I, I just think it's always going to be a good thing to be open and honest about your emotions and to give yourself um, permission to feel them and to feel them as hard as you need to. Give yourself grace, show compassion to yourself, and like, it's all good. Just meeting yourself where you're at. Wherever you are at right now, however you are showing up, is okay. It's a great place to start. Oi, mate, with that being said, <laughs> we've got some drama in the villa, mate. <laughs> we've got some drama to unpack this week. <laughs> While we was feeling our emotions outside, they was really feeling them in the villa. <laughs> Love Island Rick. <laughs> Love Island recap. We're at the end of the episode. 
I think this is going to be a pretty quick recap because this this week was a little bit slow. This season of Love Island, I'm very back and forth about. I can't decide if I love this season or I don't love this season because Casa Moore was so good. But then the show will like then dip into a lull. Or it's not even that it's been lacking drama. It's that I hate everyone. <laughs> so... <laughs> or that like the drama that's happening actually feels like so toxic to the point where it's unenjoyable because I want to reach through the screen and strangle these people. Um, so let's talk about what we had this week. So obviously end of last week we had the news broke that Andrew was sucking on Coco's titties. Yep. He was feeding on the neep nops while Tasha was away at Casa Amor. Really not a good, not a good night. Not a good day for Andrew or Tasha. Um, so that was where we're at. Next day, you know, it's the same, same shit, different day. They're all having their conversations around the villa. And I don't remember if Dami said this to India or Paige. Either way, I, I don't care. I'm, I'm muting everything this man says from here on out. I find him so irritating. But he said to one of them that women are so confusing and he just doesn't get them. And it's like, I actually think that women are like the least confusing thing ever. Like what's confusing to me is how you just cheated your ass off, spoke absolute trash about the most gorgeous down-to-earth woman in the villa for days while she was gone and then you're confused that she's angry I'm like I'm confused I'm confused why you acted like that how you were so fucking disrespectful and you think that somehow you're not in the wrong like this man has never apologized once in his life he just sits there and like gives people puppy dog guys and is like oh damn you're sad oh women are confusing I don't I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know what I did. Like, I'm so over that. Then, mere hours later, our other cheater of the week, Jax, um, you know, he's trying to win Paige back after, in my opinion, being the worst out of all of the guys in Casa Amor, uh, strictly off the way that he spoke about Paige. Uh, Yeah, really bad. Now he's trying to win her back, so he goes and writes like a little note that says miss you or whatever on a tissue in lipstick and then hides it in Paige's bed and then he's in his confessional being like I've done a good thing and hopefully Paige can see that and it's like what are you on about I've done a good thing you're gonna pat yourself on the back for writing with lipstick on a tissue the bar is in hell it is in fucking hell oh then Dami also in a conversation with India trying to like talk about how you know all these men going through all these tests in Casa Amor to really make sure they like these women I had to cheat on you just so I could know like I death to all of them um and then Dami goes to India and he's like it was always gonna be you I was always gonna pick you like trying to you know have his little quotable moment there and I'm like it's so see-through and I just so deeply hope that India is able to see through this bullshit because she is way too good for him. She's like aggressively out of Dami's league and I need her to see it. I need her to get the full picture of what happened at Casa more. I need her to see movie night because I just think that India will not let it slide. I think that she's got like enough sense about her that she will not let this 
fly under the wayside and let this man win and get what he wants after all that he fucking did. Then we have Tasha giggling with Andrew the morning after the whole Coco situation. So she has seemingly got over the nipple sucking pretty fast. I wanted I wanted a little bit more drama with it. I thought that it was like the craziest thing ever. I was laughing my ass off last week. And then now all of a sudden it's like all forgiven. <laughs> what? Like, come on. How are all of these men getting away with this? <laughs> like, I'm actually like, I need them to send in some of the bitches from season five because there's no way Mora, Amber, Anna, you think that they would have put up with this? No, they, they needed more, uh, take no shit bitches in that villa this season, because right now we are struggling. We are struggling out here because they are being completely walked over. And I don't even think they realize that they're being completely walked over. This season has actually been difficult to watch for that reason. The men on this season are so like impressively foul eh, to the point that it's, it is difficult to watch. Um, it's like not fun to watch. It goes past the point of being funny. Like Casa Moore was crazy, but it actually did like deeply upset me seeing men treat women like that. And, um, then not really seeing the women stand up for themselves because also they in part don't know the full scope of what happened. Like, uh, uh, it's just, it's kind of hard to watch and yeah, I don't know. I felt weird about it. Then we have Paige saying that she knows that Jax is trying to be better and that she like believes that he's working on changing when it's like, it's literally been like four fucking days that you just found out that that man was going loose, going balls to the wall in Casa more. Like people don't change in a matter of three, four days. So I don't know what they think is happening there. Like he's, he's, he's just upset. He got caught. That's all that's happening. I don't know why we're even entertaining this, honestly. Uh, then, bombshell alert. We've got a new islander entering the villa. And as it turns out, it is an islander that has entered the villa before. We have Adam from season four? Season four? Season three? I think it's four re-entering the villa now adam was notoriously the fucking worst on his season so i didn't feel great about this <laughs> but uh you know i'm i'm here for the drama we needed someone to get thrown in there and spice it up and from the second they showed him i knew that he was being sent in there to pursue Paige. it was like written in the stars it made total sense with the timing and also Adam is very much Paige's type, and I think that Paige is Adam's type as well. I did not love Adam during his season. However, he came into the villa, and he's, like, spitting some facts. <laughs> I don't really like this guy. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm giving him another chance. His season was, what, in, like, 2017, 2018? So it's been quite some time. I'm willing to you know, believe that this guy could have changed. There's been a lot of times since the last time he was on the show. Um, and he did come like straight in the villa and start spitting facts, uh, immediately to page. He basically read the fuck out of Jax and he was completely right. Um, basically saying that 
Jax couldn't even stay loyal when he was introduced to six new women in Casa Amor. And when he leaves Love Island and has 500,000 new Instagram followers and has tons of DMs from women that want to meet up with him, like he couldn't stay loyal when he was given six new women to choose from. What makes you think that he's going to stay loyal when he has 500,000 new women to choose from? You know, and Adam was like, you know, I know because I've done this before. I've been in this and I know what it's like when you get out. And I know what it's like for guys like that who are a little immature and have some growing up to do. Like it, it, it's a kid in a candy store type vibes. Like I, I wouldn't think that when you get out of here, it's going to be any better. I would take this learning a little seriously. And I mean, he's completely right. He's spot fucking on with it. And I was like damn, do I kind of like Adam? Am I rooting for Adam now? I think I'm rooting for Adam now. So then Paige tells a few of the girls what Adam said and then Gemma decides to just let loose and say to Jax that Adam was talking to Paige about him. And then Jax gets all mad, all fired up and wants to fight Adam. And then the next morning, Jax decides to leave the villa, stating that the reason is because he can't be himself. Um... Yeah, it feels like there's more to the story there. I am interested what we will learn about Jax's time in the villa as more people from this season exit. And I don't know, I just feel like there's more to the story there. I know there's been like a big conversation online in regards to Jax leaving because obviously mental health became a topic of conversation because he did seem just kind of unwell that last day that they aired stuff in the villa and I think it's worth noting that like the two things can coexist and Jax can be struggling with his mental health and need to leave the villa to take care of that and also have been an asshole at Casa Amor and treated Paige awfully and just been a complete nutter fucking douche like we can hold space and be compassionate towards Jax for his mental health while also acknowledging that his behavior in the villa could have been negatively impacting other people's mental health. Like you can say, okay, great. I'm glad he left the villa to take care of his mental health. That is definitely for the best while also criticizing his actions and the ways that he treated other people in the villa because it's totally fucking unacceptable. There's no excuse for it. There's no reason for it. I don't know why people send like, death threats and all those other awful messages that people send like people go way too far you're allowed to watch reality tv watch these shows and criticize the shit that happens it's fun we all do it but there are lines here you know what I mean like you're allowed to sit at home and be like that's unacceptable that he was like being super disrespectful and cheating on Paige and being like I'm, I'm gonna kiss whoever I want and deal with the consequences later <laughs> like it's not funny it's it's awful it's disrespectful and you can sit at home and call that out without also going over and making an anonymous twitter account to tell Jax he should fucking kill himself like I, I'm not sure why people can't just be normal about tv sometimes <laughs> you know I'm like just sit and have a chat why do you have to be so fucking weird after Jax leaves, it does seem to calm down quite a little bit for the rest of the week. Um, Gemma and Luca, I just have it written here that Gemma never really seems like she likes Luca that much. Um, maybe that's just how she is, but it, yeah, it seems kind of dead to me, to be honest. I'm kind of surprised that they're still going. <laughs> then at the end of the week, we had Tasha ask Andrew to 
be boyfriend and girlfriend, which was a little surprising given how we ended last week, but all right, let's keep it moving. And then immediately after that, there was the public vote in which Tasha and Andrew were both in the bottom again. And then obviously Tasha had an emotional reaction to that. She was crying about being in the bottom and feeling like the public hates her. And uh, Luca and Dami were grade A fucking douchebags to her as they have been the whole time. I don't like how they have been treating Tasha. I don't, I mean, I've said before that I don't really think that she's done anything. I agree that I don't know that her and Andrew are the best match for each other, but Tasha hasn't really fucking done anything. I don't know why Luca and Dami hate her so much, why they're so mean to her. At this point, it does feel like bullying. I don't know why they keep harping on the fact that they don't like her and seemingly jumping at every opportunity to be mean to her and criticize her. Like, I guess in my head, I'm like, okay, if you're friends with Andrew and you think this is a bad situation, you believe that Tasha is not treating Andrew right. Like you're entitled to that opinion. You want to protect your friend. That's fine. Say it once and then let it go. You know, like, why are you constantly harping on this when it seems like Tasha and Andrew have, you know, they have their own conversations. They're working through their own stuff. At some point you have to be like, I've said my opinion. Now I'm just going to accept this and be nice because they are choosing this. This is what they want. And just because I think that they're not a good match doesn't mean that I need to insert my opinion and be a fucking bully every five seconds. Novel information, apparently. Um, and then obviously Tasha was getting upset about the public vote and then Luca got mad at her because he was like, you just entered a relationship. You just got what you came here for. You came into Love Island to fall in love. Here you are. You have it. You're in a relationship now and you're crying because of what the public thinks. Like you're fake for that basically. And yeah, I thought that was a brain dead take. And maybe this is because I'm someone who understands, uh, intimately what it's what it feels like to have people on the internet say mean things about you um obviously Tasha doesn't even know what people are saying at this point she just knows that she is consistently voted in the bottom but I can empathize with the fact that hearing that this anonymous uh unnamed group of people the British public don't like you that you're consistently voted into the bottom like especially when you're in this villa with minimal communication with the outside world for weeks and weeks at this point and you know nothing, like it, it, it is completely reasonable that she would be freaking out about that, that she would have a moment of just sadness and feeling like, why is it that the public doesn't like me? It doesn't matter that she's also has the happiness of having just entered a relationship. Like this is a completely separate thing from that. She can be so happy that she just entered that relationship. And then also at the same time be like, why is it that these people don't like me? That's fair. Like, I don't, I don't even understand how any of them were criticizing her for that or getting irritated at her for that. And this is what I was talking about earlier when I was saying something happened in Love Island this week that I think connects here is that, Sometimes I feel like maybe Luca is someone who sees emotions as very black and white rather than nuanced. And so he's going to look at Tasha, who's crying because of this public vote where she's in the bottom and he sees it as like, you're crying. That means that you're upset and you're not grateful and you don't care 
about all these other good things that happened today, like you entering this relationship. Meanwhile, it's like both things can coexist at the same time. There is nuance here to how we feel and how we react and how, you know, we process what's going on, especially when you've been in the villa isolated from your friends and family and the outside world for uh, over a month at this point, you know, like where is the fucking compassion? It just, it, yeah, it was hard to watch. Luca and Dami were both assholes to her. Um, and I might adopt the title of Tasha defender at this point too. I'm an Ekansu defender. I'm a Tasha defender. I'm an India defender. Ultimately I'm a girl's girl. I'm a women defender <laughs> and that's just how it has to be. I also saw a really good TikTok today that I'll put in the description of this video because this person articulates all of it way better than I'm going to be able to. But they were talking about how people are forgetting that Tasha is deaf. That is going to impact her experience, how she interprets other people's emotions. And in the video, they were explaining like what Tasha hears and what it probably is like for her in this experience. And the thing is, is that she doesn't hear the tone of people's voices. There's added context that she misses because of the fact that she is deaf. And yeah, they go into it more in the video, but they were just giving more context to try to explain like why it is completely acceptable the way that she gets emotional and the way that she is sensitive. I don't even think we need a reason for it. You know what I mean? Like I, I accepted the fact that she was emotional and sensitive and it's a totally reasonable thing to react like that even before the added reminder of like, she is completely deaf. Yeah. Interesting TikTok. If you want to go check that out. And I think it was full of great and important points, um, that definitely impact her experience in the villa. So anyways, that's it for this episode of Emotionally Online. Had a really fun time hanging out with you guys and I'll see you guys next week. Chat a little bit about something. I've still got to tell you guys my first kiss story. So maybe we'll do that next week. And yeah, I hope you guys have the best week ever. Love you all so much and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye guys. Bye.